Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, pastor of Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa. And this podcast, our goal is quite simple. We want to help you, and really that means the members of Sacred City Church in Davenport and in Moline, follow Jesus in the normal, everyday rhythms of life. And so we're going to do book reviews, and we're going to talk about difficult subjects, race relations, things like that in our society, uh, things that interest me we're going to talk about. But then we started this new segment um, that we're calling Theology for Everyone, and our desire is really to up the game at Sacred City Church. We want everyone's theological game to go to the next level. And by that, we mean everyone is a theologian. Um, some of us are just better than others. And so, and there's, there's levels to this man. Um, and I remember, uh, one of the greatest wrestlers, Jordan Burroughs, uh, American wrestlers. He wrestled a guy, um, last year who was a UFC fighter and was a pretty good wrestler. And they got him on the state, this huge stage and they're international, you know, they're wrestling in front of all these crowds and, and it was freestyle wrestling and Jordan Burroughs is still, he's, he's not at his prime. He's a little bit past his prime. Um, but uh, the, this guy gets up there, you know, and, and tries to wrestle him. And Jordan Burroughs just owned him and just beat him like 10 to nothing and just made him look stupid. And they asked him, well, what do you think? And he just said, there's levels to this. <laughs> <laughs> there's levels to this. There's levels to everything, but there's levels to theology as well. And there's guys light years beyond me. Um, like I said before, with more degrees than Fahrenheit that can... Uh, run circles around me that are a lot smarter than I am, but we want everyone to up their game. We want everyone to be growing as a theologian because guess what? You are the theologian of your family. You are the theologian of your friends group. You are the theologian of your missional community, maybe, you know? And so we want to be bringing an accurate picture of God and scripture to the people that we're in relationship with. And so one of the ways for all of us to grow and our theology, which just means our understanding and study of God, is um, to spend some time every single week working through good theology. And some great theology is um, held for us in the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's a basic, systematic theology that is timeless, and it's really it really just really helps us see Scripture in a holistic way, and it helps us to go deeper into things that maybe we w- wouldn't naturally think about. And, um, but could really be a benefit to our soul. Like nobody goes to the scripture and does a study on the immutability of God. People are usually like, well, how can I help my marriage? How can I help my children? They don't go, what's the immutability of God all about? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, and maybe that's to our demise, to our detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to give us categories, going to give us words to study, going to give us concepts to go deeper in. And so that's our benefit. That's our, that's our goal today. There's another theology for everyone podcast that we're going to help us uh, go deeper in our understanding of scripture. And we are working through the Westminster Confession of Faith. We are in chapter two on God and the Holy Trinity, and we are going to hit section two. So chapter two, section two. Once again, I've got uh, two of my pastoral residents with me, I've got Kevin, I've got Alex, and we've got our deacon of worship, Joel Bickford, with us today as 
uh, old country boy is still out on paternity <laughs> leave. So, say hi, guys. What's up? How's it going? And my cigar has already... That, that intro was so long. <laughs> my cigar Boo. has already went out. So we are uh, enjoying ourselves because God has given us good gifts. Amen. And it's a sin to not enjoy the good gifts God's given us. Reach. <laughs> and the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> it's legit. Okay, it is Monday... October 19th, and it is snowing outside. This is just life in the Quad Cities. It sucks. I mean, no, life in the Quad Cities does not suck. We love it, but this weather sucks. Mm-hmm. We need a fireplace in the, in the office here. For we do need a fireplace in the office. Kevin, would you give me that other lighter over there? This one is just not... It's struggling. It's struggling. Even though it's brand new, and the lady at the gas station... hey. You know what I mean? She's an expert, clearly. Don't put out the gas station. She told me that I was getting I was getting a different one. And she's like, no, you shouldn't get that one. You should get this one. This one is better. If this one is better, oh, there it goes. Then the other one must have been hot garbage. <laughs> because this one works exactly eight percent of the time. He got it. He got you got it. You get one of those regular cigarette lighters you just got it. in your cigarettes. Oh, there you go. Here we go. Yeah, so I'll be lighting the next one with a candle lighter, <laughs> 12 inches long. It's pathetic. Well, we're having a good time, Sacred City. Uh, we hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you are, whether you are taking the kids to school or bringing them home or whether you maybe you're having a cigar on your patio or maybe you've just got a few minutes, you're out on a walk, whatever. Uh, we want you to be... Uh, Hopefully enjoying yourself, enjoying God's creation as you listen to this podcast, and we can meditate on God and his nature and his essence together. So, if you heard that, that was me hitting the cigar right into my microphone. Okay. (laughs) Um, We're going to work our way through this one, and it's another really dense one, but it's another one that's just so good for our souls. Chapter 2, section 2. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself. And is alone in and unto himself all sufficient. Not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, not deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. That should sound familiar, Colossians. Mm -hmm. And hath most sovereign dominion over them to do by them, for them, or upon them whatsoever himself pleaseth. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, 
and independent upon the creature. So as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain, he is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. Mm-hmm. Man, mm. I just have to admit, I don't know if I could write a, I don't think I could write a paragraph like that. No way. That is dense. All right. I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, and I quote often, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Many times when we think of the word God, we think things that are light, fluffy, airy, effervescent, something that doesn't carry much weight, something that's whimsical, something that's, you know, doesn't require much of me. And I think the Westminster Confession of Faith says, then you're thinking about God wrong. God is more than you can possibly comprehend. We talked about that in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. He st- they start off by saying this, God hath all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in and of himself. What do you guys think when you hear that? Hmm. Man, I suppose it means he's just fully satisfied in his own in his own being. Mm. He doesn't need me to make him happy. Yeah. So think about it. We need... We, he, later on, he's going to say something about the word contingent. Mm. Contingent means you, you're lacking something and you depend on somebody else. Right? My kids, they're, the government classifies them as dependents upon me. Mm. They need me mm. to provide for them, to protect them, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I am a contingent being as well. I need the air. I need food. I need sleep. I need light. I need all kinds of things to exist and to know anything and to be who I am. God needs nothing. He has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself. Which means, as Joel said, one of the first things we should know about God is he is eternally happy. He is eternally satisfied. Typically, our lack of happiness, our lack of satisfaction comes from not having something that we think we need, right? Well, God lacks nothing, right? Now, this part, this next part, might get a little confusing (laughs) in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient again that's another way to say it 
lacks nothing. He has everything he needs. Not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made. How do we reconcile? It's a question that comes to mind whenever you hear that. You hear Psalms like Psalm 103, the prompts and the commands to, to bless the Lord, to bless the Lord, O my soul. I think I can have a, an, a, a, a thing in my mind that is kind of the opposite of what they're saying here. Like, like bless him. Like, you know, he needs my praise. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, <laughs> how do, how do I view those kind of scriptures? You know, how do I, you view those type of scriptures correctly, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> which means, <laughs> which means we talked about this in the lad pod last podcast, God's glory and my goodness and my joy are inextricably linked. Mm. So when the psalmist is telling me to lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from and to glorify the Lord, all the earth, he's not doing it because God is some prepubescent teenager that's lacking in self-esteem and needs me, a sinful moron, to glorify him, to feel better about himself in the morning. Mm-hmm. No, no. God is all-sufficient. God needs nothing. God lacks all glory in and of himself. And any glory that I would give him, well, where does that glory come from? Himself. Mm. He gives me the ability to enjoy him, and then I enjoy him, and that goes back onto his glory. That's why it says here, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, not deriving Mm. any glory from them. In other words, human beings don't manufacture glory and put it on God. Mm. Human beings acknowledge the glory that already exists in God and reciprocate it or give it back to him, recycle it, receive it from God, and then give it back to God. Right? That God... Is this going to come up? I don't want to say this. Yeah, I better not say this. I wanted to say something else. But uh, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. So God has all glory. Think about it. This, this analogy literally could fail because it just came to my mind. And I don't, I don't foresee the end of it right now. So. <laughs> we'll help you out. <laughs> so, um, think about like our vehicles run on gasoline, right? And we have to go and get gasoline, and then we can drive our vehicles, and then we've got to go get get more gasoline. If you think of glory as a substance, glory as a commodity, God has all. So God has, let's just, God has all gasoline. Let's just say that. God has all gasoline and he gives us some gasoline so that we can glorify him, so that we can use it in ways that bring him glory. And then obviously we kind of run out or whatever and where do we have to go? We got to go back to God to get it. But are we actually giving God anything? No. No, because he gave it to us first. Right. He owns it all. It's his. The glory is his. It exists in and of himself. And so he opens our eyes so we can perceive it, so we can see it, and then we give it back to him. We honor him, 
and we glorify him and we enjoy him. And so it's just kind of recycling the glory that he's, that mm. he's already given us. That's good, yeah. Mm. Now, here we go. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. He is the alone fountain of all being. That means God is the only necessary being in all the universe. Everything else is contingent upon his being. So if God wasn't, nothing would be. If we, if we are not here, nothing would change about the universe, mm. right? Mm. Nothing is necessary for him. The earth isn't necessary. Planets aren't necessary. I'm not necessary. You're not necessary. God would still be, he would still have all glory and goodness and joy and happiness and power in and of himself, even if creation didn't exist. Mm. But he chose to manifest his glory in such a way as through creation and creating us, et cetera. Any thoughts on that? Well, what a good God, you know? Uh, he, the fact that he's, I don't know, I, I, words almost fail, but it's like he's satisfied in himself. And I almost can picture it as, this is so good what's going on in the Trinity. I got to get others in on this, not in, in, in a totally selfless way that there's, there's, there's so much blessedness and glory to dispense. I don't know. I just think that, that that's an amazing piece that he didn't, he didn't create us out of a deficit or a need, yes. um, but that he created us out of an overflow of his own glory. Um, it's a, for us to participate in that. That reminds me, I once heard Oprah, um, she's where I usually go to find out uh, bad theology <laughs> that I need to make fun of on Sunday. <clears throat> and she she said one time, the reason basically she walked away from Christianity because she read in the Old Testament that God was a jealous God. And she thought, if he's jealous, oh, that's ugly, that's gross. Mm. That shows a deficit. You need something from somebody. You need people to worship you and tell you how great you are and to love you. And that's just a philosophical fail. Yeah. That's philosophical, lightweight work. Mm. That's not using the brain God gave you. Think about it. God needs nothing from anyone. He is the only necessary being there is. But he is the source of all glory and all goodness. We need him. So when he says he's jealous, he's created us for one purpose to bring glory to himself. Mm -hmm. And so one, we're not fulfilling our purpose if we're not, that's what he means he's jealous over us. He's, he doesn't want us to love other false fading comfort idols and gods. He wants us to find our ultimate joy in and of himself because he's the only source of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be, that God mm -hmm. is jealous. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he's like a jealous, jilted lover. Yeah. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing comparable to him. 
Yeah. He's the only one that can satisfy us. I don't know the scripture reference off the top of my head, but the one where it's talking about, maybe it says, you know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and then it's talking about, uh, maybe that's a different scripture, but it's talking about how if, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more so does God know how to give good gifts? The one who <laughs> needs nothing from anyone. Yes. Um, and th- that's the, yeah, I think that's at the heart I think, of too, like we talked about this a couple podcasts ago about, um, I mean, when you're reading the text, you know, going, if you can't know exactly what that means to go to some type of uh, commentary or go to, like, your study Bible and see, like, what that actually means and, and how that breaks down so that you can get an understanding of what the text is actually yeah. saying. Yeah, because she was importing mm. her definition of jealous yeah. Yeah. into the scripture. Right. Which obviously, you know, it's not good to be a jealous husband or a jealous... Right. Well, well, actually, in some sense, it is. Yeah. If I don't want my wife's devotion and attention and, and body to be used by anybody else. Right, like that's for me. We're we're I am jealous in that sense. But if I there's also a negative sense of jealousy. You, know, you can be over. You can be jealous in the negative sense of just who are you talking with? I don't want you to be around those people. I don't want. You, and that's insecurity. That's yeah. jealousy driven by insecurity. Yeah. God's not insecure. He's the most secure being in the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He needs nothing from anyone. Yeah. He's happy in him of himself. The Father, Son, and Spirit are eternally happy in and of himself. He doesn't need our praise. Can you imagine a God who wakes up in the morning going, oh, I wonder if today's going to be good or not. Mm. I wonder what Justin's... Is Justin going to read his Bible? Is Justin going to give me praise today? Because I'm just going to have a bad day if he doesn't. Right. That's a pathetic God. Yeah. But that's not God. But God is jealous over us because he loves us and he knows we find our j- greatest joy and our deepest satisfaction in him as we give him glory. We're made to run on gasoline. He's given us the gasoline. We need to use it for his glory. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> he is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. So, everything comes from him. There's nothing that was created that didn't come from him, and everything is meant to glorify him. It's to return back to him. And he hath... So... We, we can deduce this from Scripture. This is the, nece- most, the necessary consequence of God being the only necessary being is that everything that is contingent upon God or everything that was created by God, listen, hath mo- God has most sovereign dominion over them to do by them, for them, or upon them whatsoever himself pleaseth. The, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in a controversial chapter, the book of Romans, says God, he, he is the creator, and he has the, cre- he has the right to create one pot. Mm-hmm. Think of him as the potter who creates the cl- used the clay to make a pot. He has the right to create one pot for honorable use and one pot for dishonorable use. So God can do with us whatever he wants. In that context, God could send us to hell. We've deserved that. We've earned that. He has the right to do that. And God also has the right to save us from our sins and to give us mercy and to give us grace. But no one, no created being 
can ever make a claim upon God. He owes us nothing but justice. He owes us nothing but wrath. It's God's own pleasure and will to do what he wants to do with his creation. And guess what? He could burn this planet up in a moment if he wants to. He could put us in an ice age if he wants us to. He's most sovereign. He has most sovereign dominion over everything to do by them, for them, or upon them whatsoever himself pleaseth. In his sight, all things are open and manifest. Hebrew says that nothing gets beyond the eyes of God. God sees everything. He's the God to whom we must give account. Nothing gets by him. He can see everything all at the same time. I think this is why early on in the church, you a big reason why we named it Sacred City, right? It was because uh, from that verse, we see that that means all of life is sacred. If God can see it all, it all matters. That's right. <clears throat> not just your Sunday morning, mm-hmm. not just your Bible reading time. Yeah. He sees it all. <clears throat> In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite. There is infinite. There is nothing limited about God's knowledge. Who's going to win the election in November, on November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, December 2nd, yeah. whenever it's going to whatever end. Whatever it happens. You know it's going to be contested. You know it's going to be contested. God knows. God knows. When's the coronavirus going to end? God knows. Fauci don't. Fauci's knowledge is finite. At best, greatest epidemiologist in the world, knowledge is finite at best. We talked about a few weeks ago having epistemic humility. You know who doesn't have epistemic humility? God. He doesn't need it because he knows everything. Every other human being needs to know that we have a limit to our knowledge. Yeah, there's so much about life that feels, especially this year, feels reactive. You know, I, I think of how many people made a 2020 plan, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we were trying to be proactive, which is good. But so much of life now feels reactive. You have to adapt. Um, and what a comfort it is to know that the God we worship and serve is not like that. Mm-hmm. And he holds it in his hand. Um that is a huge comfort to me, you know? Yeah, the elders of the church have put so much time and thought and prayer into kind of our return to indoor worship plan. <laughs> and we've we've done the research we could do. We've studied the scriptures the best we can. <clears throat> we've taken surveys of our church to find out how to get everybody back in worship, worshiping indoors together in a safe, the safest way. All of our research was leading us, okay, we're going to have to have one early service, mask mandatory for everybody, including the kids. And about a third of our church was 
saying, we're going to come to that service. That's what we want to do. And then about two thirds of our church, we're going to come to the second service. That's mask optional. And, and we're like, okay, I think this is, this is a, this is a good plan. I think this is going to work for us. <clears throat> I'm pretty, only about 10 people that said they wouldn't return indoors with us in this plan. Okay. We'll, we'll serve them in a different way. This is looking good. And then I get a call from the mayor that says, or email that they're going to make mask mandatory in all city owned property. Like, ah, crap. (laughs) There goes that plan. So now it looks like to go back inside, we're going to have, everybody's going to have to wear a mask. Now we're still trying to work out the details of that, but there it is like finite knowledge at best. Yeah. You know, finite knowledge at best, but God is infinite in his knowledge. Not only is his knowledge infinite, it is infallible. What does infallible mean? It's never wrong. It's always right. It's always right on track. Mm -hmm. He always knows exactly the right thing to do, exactly the right thing to say. He knows everything about everything. I think it's interesting as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking how comments like, Oh, Lord knows, or, you know, God only knows how this is going to turn out, have become almost a perjurative, you know, perjurative mm. as, well, I don't know what's going to happen instead of, I, I think in a lot of ways that could almost, but it should become worshipful. Like, I don't know, but God knows, you know. Yeah. If the Lord wills, we'll yeah, do this. Yeah, the Lord that. wills. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> That's right. It's not pejorative anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it is. That's freaking reality, bro. Yeah, that's, reality. <laughs> that's what we're living. Lord knows. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature. <clears throat> oh, here we go. Independent upon the creature. What does that mean? Can you guys get your mind around that one? Independent upon the creature? Doesn't depend on us. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't matter what we think or what we do. Uh-oh. But that's a good uh, thing. Uh-oh, yeah, it's, it's a, a good thing. thing. But we're getting into some trouble. We're getting into some trouble. People who think <clears throat> that they have some limited idea of God's sovereignty, that they think God is sovereign, or there's, there's a theology out there called open theism mm. that basically believes that God can, can't see past our actions. He's kind of up in heaven like, I don't know, what, what are they going to do? Their, their actions are going to depend on, you know, their actions are going to tell me what's going to happen. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know the end from the beginning because they're so independent. They have, they're so autonomous. And these people are trying to <clears throat> preserve the idea of free will, which I would love to spend the whole podcast <laughs> debunking that idea but in the most general sense I'm not going to get into too much but he's saying that is a lie that's bad theology that's heresy God is not dependent upon his creatures he knows everything he knows what you're going to say tomorrow he knows what you're going to choose he knows past your choices. You don't even you don't know what you're going to be tomorrow. He knows exactly what you're going to be tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do, what you're going to say. Mm. He knows all of these things. Mm. <clears throat> so as nothing, so 
His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. <coughs> Excuse me. When we talk about election, does God know who's going to be saved? What would you guys say? Yeah. Definitely he's all-knowing. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. So he knows, and his knowledge is not contingent. Mm -hmm. He knows every single person who's going to be in hell. He knows every single person who's going to be in heaven. Has he predetermined it? Has he predestined it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he's not, as some would say, looking down the you know, hallways of time and, and choosing those who would choose him. No, that would be knowledge de determined by the creature. Mm -hmm. His knowledge is indeterminate of the creature. His knowledge is infinite. It's perfect. He knows before we know. Yeah. He knows what we're going to choose before we know what we're going to choose. Right? So God's knowledge is not contingent or uncertain. It's infallible. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So how does the practicality, you know, if this is theology for everyone, our theology should inform our practice. How does practicing that awareness of God's sovereignty, even in, in choosing or electing, play out in our life practically? Yeah. Let's say on mission, you mm -hmm. know. Well, it's funny because the people who say the loudest <clears throat> that predestination and election and the foreknowledge of God somehow takes energy or confidence out of doing mission mm -hmm. or sharing the gospel with my neighbor, they're 100% wrong. Mm. If the idea is I share the gospel and I have no idea if they're going to respond or not. God doesn't know if they're going to respond or not. Well, where's my confidence at? Yeah. What What's determining the fact that this person is going to be converted or not? Yeah. Th their will? Well, then that puts a lot of pressure on me because I have to say <laughs> the, exact, the, the exact right sequence. Yeah. It's like a computer program. Yeah. I have to type in the exact sequence to get the output that I need. So I better say the exact right thing to my neighbor and do the exact right thing to my neighbor. And I better not let them see me do this or that or the other thing. And I'm hoping that they're going to receive those inputs perfectly and respond correctly. Mm -hmm. I That gives me no confidence Absolutely. to share the gospel at all. But if I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has saved me, that God has given me the gospel and given me grace and given me faith to believe it and he's told me with the gospel and he showed me how he works things out. Yeah. I have absolute confidence that when I share the gospel, God's saving people. Yeah. God put me in my house sovereignly yeah. to share the gospel with my neighbors. Yeah. God put me in my gym sovereignly to share yeah. the gospel with the guys there. And that means everywhere my foot goes, I'm going there with the confidence that God is sending me there to save people. Sure. Now, am I saving people? No, but I'm the instrument that God's using. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
God's already got the elect out there. He's already got the predestined out there. He's already got the fish. Here's what it is. If if I go to some random pond and I throw a and I throw my my fishing pole in, you know, my lure in the water, I got no confidence whatsoever. There might not this might be a brand new lake. This might be a concrete pond with nothing <laughs> in it at all. I have no confidence. But if my neighbor goes, hey, man, I got this pond. We've stocked it with fish. Yeah. All you got to do is throw this lure in the water and you're going to catch fish. I guarantee you're going to catch fish. My confidence going to that pond is sky is, is through the roof. Because yeah. I know, and it's the same way. God, Jesus says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. He's put us in a pond. He's guaranteed that there's fish in the pond, fish that are going to bite the lure. Now, not every fish. He tells us some are going to choose the right, some are going to go left. Some are predestined to destruction, some predestined to life. But if he's given me the gospel, he's empowered me by the Spirit, he's leading me by the Spirit, he's sending me to people who are going to respond to him. Mm-hmm. So it gives me great confidence. And it also gives me confidence to just declare the gospel and <clears throat> expect God to yeah. bring the results. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the parable of the, the sower and the seed. The sower's spreading the seed fairly liberally just all over the place (laughs) and it's uh you know there's certain soils that in certain grounds that it lands on and it's not really up to the the sower necessarily where those things uh what kind of harvest or fruit is produced by that yeah and we talked about in our earlier podcast the efficacy of the word of god yeah Mm. so because god has predestined people to be saved God has empowered his word to save people. He's given the spirit to bring dead people to life. The word does it. So what do I have to do? I have to declare the gospel. Mm -hmm. I have to declare the word, you know, and contextualize it the best way that I can and then trust that the spirit's at work. And all my confidence is in the spirit. Yeah. So nothing to him is contingent. Or uncertain. <clears throat> Again, this is just this blows right past Pelagian concepts of sin and um, ideas of salvation that men have somehow free will that God can't. If men really have free will, God can't see past human decisions. No, that's not true. <clears throat> One, we don't have free will in that way. Mm. And two. God knows everything, you know. Think about a good, well, I'm not going to go there. Well, we're limited in our knowledge, but we also know a lot about our children. Like, we know what they're going to choose before they choose it. Yeah. Mm. Because we know our children so well. Yeah. You know, we know, if I ask you, do you want to go to get ice cream or do you want to go get cake or something? I'm, I'm trying to present this in a way that's like two good things. Yeah, yeah. We most likely, you know your children well enough to know if they're gonna, which one's going to choose ice cream, which one's going to choose cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, God knows us way more than that. Mm-hmm. Intimately, he created us. There's nothing outside his knowledge. So he knows everything we're going to choose or decide to do. <clears throat> nothing in God is contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels. Who does he counsel with, guys? Mm-hmm. Himself. Himself. Counsel of the Trinity. That's right. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit making decisions. The CEO. Uh, that was I was about to make a really bad illustration of the Trinity and get into some kind of heresy there. <clears throat> but they're in the boardroom. They're in the control room of heaven yeah. making decisions for the, the entire entirety of creation. Yeah. And everything they do is holy. Hmm. <clears throat> he is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. There is no commands that he gives <clears throat> that are not holy. We might not understand them. We might not see them as good. We're not holy people, <clears throat> but nothing he commands is, is less than holy. And now this last sentence. <clears throat> to him is due from angels and men and every other creature, cre creature, mm -hmm. whatsoever, worship, service, or obedience, he is pleased to require of them. What do you think when you read that? It's a good thing that God doesn't change. <laughs> Why? Because a, a God who changed could easily one day say, worship me and you'll go to heaven. And the next day say, ah, I'm just going to burn it all to the ground. Mm. Okay, I would agree. It is good that God does not change. <laughs> what else? To him is due from angels and men and every, every, every other creature, worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. Is due. You owe it. Mm. Human beings are born with a debt to God. Not just human beings, all creatures. Mm -hmm. He says angels, men, and every other creature. Mm. And they say, worship, service, or obedience, he is pleased to require of them. So God requires something different from a tree than he does a dog, than he does a human being. Then he does an angel. Hmm. But human beings, because we are contingent, so <clears throat> God is the only necessary being. All being flows from him. So he, when he creates something, he tells us what it's for. A tree is to be a tree. A dog is to be a dog. An animal is to be an animal. And is there a difference in being between a tree, a dog, a person, and an angel? Yeah, yeah. Right? They're created differently. They're all four different things. They owe God worship, service, and obedience in different ways, but still owe him obedience. Mm -hmm. A tree is meant to tree it out, man. That's what whatever you are. Yeah, move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wave your hands, do what you do. A tree is meant to be a tree. A dog is meant to be a dog. Animal, him. Human beings made in the Amago Day, with dignity, value, and worth are meant to be humans in a way that brings glory to God. Mm. Humans owe it to God. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a way of walking around life that disregards that, that or tries to disregard that, that I'm an autonomous being who creates my own destiny and 
um, I even in a sense I can create my own reality and uh, my own moral and ethical ideals and these things but to know when you bring those things I guess under the subject of God and, and the lordship of God yeah it makes a lot I mean it, it makes sense that <laughs> he's the creator if I were to, if I were to make something a tool or whatever it is I would, I would make that for my own purposes right and I would expect that thing to work the way that I would want it to work. And if God is perfect, then he would make, you know, he would make things for exactly the purposes that he would want. So I don't know, I, I guess just pondering those thoughts, I, I think I see, that's where I see the pushback is people try and be autonomous. I, you've said something before about going against the grain of the universe, going against God's laws and to work within God's laws, to work within God's, way worth work within the purposes that he has for human beings is to flourish um it's not a bad thing it's the best thing for you to fulfill the purposes that he has for you Mm -hmm. now i want to connect the first line of this and the last line of this because the last line says we owe god worship we owe god glory We owe God. God gave us this earth. He gave us our mind. He gave us our heart. He gave us our body. Our bodies are broken. They're sinful. Our desires are twisted. Um, We're confused. We're we're in this world, right? We're we're affected and infected by sin. Hmm. And yet, the most hardened atheist and the most honest believer both owes God glory. And that can sound like punishment. That can sound like slavery. That can sound like, you know, just this authoritarian God who just demands our obedience. Until you remember the first line of section two. God hath all life glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient. Mm. So this is why we say that the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever or glorify God by enjoying him forever. This is like God saying, listen, you owe me glory because I am glory and I am good and I am life and I am blessedness. And if you want life, glory, goodness, blessedness, yo, you got to come to me. I'm the source of it. Mm -hmm. So to say you can go find that somewhere else is a lie. You know, it's not humble for God to go, oh, yeah, yeah, go, go find glory somewhere else because, you know, I'm just, I'm just one of the boys. I'm just one of the other, all the God. He's the source yeah. of yeah. all glory, yeah. all goodness, all life, all blessedness. And so if you want life and life more eternal, life literally, life more abundantly and life eternal, you can't find it anywhere other than God. And so he's built this system in such a way that he's the source of everything we need and we owe him 
our allegiance and our obedience and our worship and our love, not in some kind of cold, hard-hearted fashion, but because we find our greatest satisfaction in him. Yeah, yeah. amen. And I wish people knew that. I wish my neighbors knew that. I know I'm sent on mission to them. I got to tell them. I wish my friends knew that. I want our church to know that. <clears throat> you know, I want our city to know that. Mm. There's nothing better than God. And we were built to know him. Mm. We were built to walk with him. We were built to worship him. And yeah, we owe it to him to do that as contingent creatures, but we're also going to find our deepest satisfaction, our deepest, most lasting happiness, and ultimately eternal life in him. And church, if you're listening to this podcast, no matter where you are, man, I hope you can find that glory, that blessedness, that eternal life by swimming in the deep waters of God himself. That there's no way we can get to God by ourselves. We have to go through the person of Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. He is the only mediator between God and man. And he's made a way for broken sinners like us to know God and to know God in a deeper way. And listen, we all desire glory. This is why we love bling. This is why we love money. This is why we love beauty. This is why we love things of substance and things of weight. You were built for glory, and that means ultimately you were built for God himself. Mm. Right? You were built for blessedness. You were built for life. And ultimately, you can only find that in God himself. And the only way to get back into a right relationship with God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So we say, lean into that. Believe that, trust that, and that God will continue to reveal himself in greater and greater ways. Well, we hope that you, this has been a blessing to you. Article 2 of Chapter 2 in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Again, this is theology for everyone. If this has been beneficial, if this has been insightful, if this has been helpful, or if you've got, greater, if you've got more questions, please send me an email, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We would be... Um, happy to receive that email and we will do our best to answer it in a timely fashion and maybe even answer it on this podcast. We love you guys. God bless. Like us, share us, um, rate us on the podcast. God bless and we will see you again soon. <laughs>